welcome to Rick Radio Community News Desk, episode 100. I'm Anne Rutledge. Later in the programme, we talk to Ronan Kelly in his inaugural Ronan's Movies segment, where he tries to convince me that one of his favourite comedies isn't a horror film. But first, here's Owen Meehan, editor of News 4, telling us about the new edition, available in shops from Friday the 2nd. Uh, yes, uh, very nice to meet, meet you, uh, uh, and uh, Happy New Year. <laughs> no, Can we still say that? Can we still say that? No, no pleasantries on my end. Happy okay, New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, yes, the next issue, the first one of 2024 of News 4, will be in the shops uh, this Friday, which is the 2nd of February. Uh, this Friday coming. Um, and um, it's the spring issue, it's the February-March issue, and uh, because it's the time of year, we're doing a special Valentine's Day. Uh, it's actually a special Valentine's Day issue. We, did, we decided, we, we sat down together, we, we do a lot of brainstorming in News 4, and we sat down we decided we're going to do a, a special Valentine's Day issue uh, of this next paper. And, and by that I mean all the journalists would write, contribute something, and they, they forced me to do that as well, contribute as well. So... <laughs> So let me tell you what we're doing. Uh, on the f- cover uh, w- cover story, it's um, the main feature uh, on Valentine's Day. It's a story about St. Valentine himself. And it goes back into the history of it. And uh, it's not all about the love stuff and all that. It's all about the, the real history of who the real Valentine was. Uh, <coughs> sorry. Apparently he was a priest in the 3rd century AD. And uh, he was uh, very much in favour of people uh, getting married and having loving relationships and all that, as well as a rel- obviously a relationship with God, uh, a loving relationship with uh, with each other. So he was very much a man ahead of his time. Um, but he fell out of favour with the, the Roman Emperor, I think it was Claudius at the time. And um, to cut a long st- story short, any poor old Valentine was locked up in prison, very badly treated, but um, he... Because he was such a gentle, loving person and he, 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 he saw, you know, the love of Christ as being his main, uh, uh, if you like, motive, um, motive for living and spreading that tr- throughout the world. And um, people, a lot of people even in prison got to like him. And one of the, the prison officers uh, <clears throat> or prison guards uh, became friends with, with Valentine. And uh, he used to bring his his daughter in, who was who, who was blind, and who, who uh, and uh, she was you know studying, I think, un, under uh, Valentine. And um, <clears throat> anyway, to cut a long story short, she he he was in prison for some time, and then he was uh, to be executed, and he was eventually executed. But before the night before he was executed, he wrote uh, a letter to uh, this girl, the uh, guard's daughter. Her name was Julie, I think. Um, <clears throat> he wrote a letter to her and saying, that, you know, to keep on, you know, believing in love and Christ and all that stuff. And uh, he signed it then from your Valentine because that was who mm. he was, you know. Um, and that, we believe, is the first Valentine's card that was ever sent. And it's people, you know, use it as in a different way now, of course. Yeah, but Enduring it's, belief. It's, it's, en- yeah. Enduring belief. It's yeah. a lovely <laughs> a lovely way of putting it on. So that's uh, that's the main story, and it goes into the detail of of and uh, Louise, uh, our journalist, wrote that. So kind of looking as well. Was it when was he canonized? Was he actually a saint? Uh, in the he church? was canonized much later. Yeah, no, yeah. it would, would have been the the one was it the first uh, after Constantine, wasn't he? Well, 
when was three fourteen or something like that. Uh, then uh, later, then when the church came into power, then he was canonized. After that, it's funny to think of sort of saints and these mythic cre- like mm. ideas we have around characters, yeah. and ideas like Valentine. Yeah. I know, yeah, yeah. That, no, these are people mm. who existed and had mm. a place as well within the Christian faith too. They, they had, yeah, yeah, they had a big play, place within mm. the Christian faith, and uh, he. Um, it's 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 a kind of a contradictory story in many ways because it's it's a story of love obviously but it's also a story of of um, a lot of suffering and all that and uh, cruelty and uh, we have and Valentine's Day has been marked by that and a lot of times down the years there's been the Valentine's Day massacre mm-hmm. in the nineteen thirty five I think it was and uh, various other things so it's not all has been good but you know. We, we try to keep the best side out. Kind of see the dark side of it all. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the others, the other journalists. I want to mention the others. What they did as well. Uh, Neva, another of our journalists, contributed a piece. Be, um, it's a bit lighter. Anyway, she ta- ta- talks about her own parents who actually met. I think they either met or went out on their first date on Valentine's Day. No pressure there. No pressure there. <laughs> no pressure there. And three years later, lo and behold, they got married. And lo and behold, they're still married and still. Which is fantastic. I think it's a lovely, mm. a lovely, beautiful love story. That that and, and love stories do happen. I I believe that, aren't you? Oh no, I'm a cynic. Too, I, oh, you're a cynic. Oh <laughs> no, no, no. Cold, grey heart inside <coughs> myself. Yeah. Happy Valentine's, everybody. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a nice story. Uh, then our other, another of our journalists, Brian Hughes, our basically our, our film critic as well. He did. Uh, a list of some of the best love films that you, you can watch with your loved one on Valentine's night with a nice bottle of wine or something. Maybe if you just want to just flop into or, it all. Absolutely, you know, or a nice box of chocolates or whatever. Get some Meg Ryan going. Meg Ryan, yeah. What's your favourite uh, romance film? Honestly, something like When Harry Met Sally. I think it's just a classic. That's a lovely one, yeah. It's a Nora Ephron, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just that kind of real humour to it and the wit and the, the kindness yeah, to it as well. I love that one, actually. Yeah, I love that one, yeah. But a bit of cynicism there too. Because yeah, it shows is, that some is, relationships don't last. Yeah. I love the film uh, 64 Charing Cross Road, which is um, Anthony Hopkins was in. Quite mm. an old one now, but that's that's a really lovely one as well. Um Princess Bride is another Oh, the Princess Bride. I absolutely love the Princess that's, Bride. Yeah. I think that's one for the ages, that's really, one isn't for the, it? Yeah. It's, it, it I think is, I saw that it as a is. teenager first. It's it? really a kid's <laughs> film, isn't it? But I still love it. You know? oh, I just it love it. It's just so much fun. It's and they're fun. having so much fun with fun. it. They're having so much fun, yeah. And it's such classic lovely. actors. You've got like Mandy Patinkin and it. That's you know? right, yeah. He's yeah, just such an iconic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But um, that's that's so that's he, he's he's doing a feature on that, and then I have to contribute as well. So I'm doing uh, the top ten be- most uh, best favorite love songs, okay, uh, ever. Uh, they're per- mine personal. <laughs> they're my personal <laughs> ones. So uh, it, it w- probably won't be the ones that, that you'll hear on FM radio kind of thing. You know, well, what, can you more. give me an idea of what makes the top uh, ten for you? Some ten. I can give you a sneaky one. Uh, what is it? Um, mm, 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 mm. We have uh, Kate Bush. Okay. Yeah. And we have, what else is in there as well? Let me think. Um, uh, Cat- Catalani, um, the opera, opera bit, a little bit of opera in it mm-hmm. as well. Passion. Passion, yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. For, right for the day. Uh, and we have uh, David Bowie song as well, which mm-hmm. is actually, actually called Valentine's Day. Had to include that. I'm a big Bowie fan anyway, but had to include that. It's not really, it's like, not really a romantic song. It's like yourself, it's very, very cynical. <laughs> Taking a very cynical view of it. But anyway, you can read all about it then. I'm not going to reveal what my number one is until you have to get the paper and read I it. I think there's a fair bit of romance to Bowie, though. He talks about meeting his wife and marrying her being the best thing he That's ever did. He did, yeah, there is That's a looking lot. back over his career, he's done <clears> the best thing he ever did. I did, best yeah. thing he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there is, I think there is, a, mm. I think I agree, yeah, yeah, big time, yeah. 
So um, then apart from that, we have other little bits and bobs. I hope I'm not leaving anybody else now. Uh, bits and bobs about uh, Valentine's Day and all that. So it's, the whole issue is, it's not all about that, but it's, it's a lot of uh, heavily um, leaning towards uh, the theme of love and uh, togetherness and all that sort of stuff yeah but how it kind of winds in with the history of Dublin I think um, are the artefacts of St. Valentine present in some church on Angel oh, yes, Street yes, aren't yes, they? sorry I'm glad you mentioned that Whitefriars Street oh. uh, Church which is actually in Angel Street yeah. at the big church that's beautiful church. and actually his ashes or his relics yeah. I should say are in the in the basement there you can go down and have, have a look I was trying to remember the word I'm like artefact isn't quite right yeah no relics, the relics. yeah they have, have a look and uh, they were brought over by a um, I think it's one of the Capuchin uh, priests. They run that that church mm. uh, in eighteen something or other. It's actually in that article as well. So <clears throat> that Louise wrote. So you can uh, get all the details and the historical stuff in that article. I didn't live too far away from there in my twenties, and it struck me that area's changed so much, and it's always been so full of life. Yeah. But even in the 10, 15 years I've been gone yeah. from it, it has changed. But things like that church still mm, remains. Still solid. remains the yeah. same. Yeah, I actually came yeah. in that way this morning on the bus because uh, it was raining and. Um, it's still quite lively, but it seems a bit run down as well, I think. The whole Camden Street, Angel Street, it looked to me a bit run down. I don't know. I think it's just the oh, the window the above mm. the storefronts and so maybe on. So. It's maybe it's just really bohemian and all. I mean, yeah. you've got wheelings there and a lot of good stuff. I mean, <laughs> a lot of noise. A lot of noisy <laughs> stuff, yeah. But it'd be, you know, if, if you're 18 or 19, which you're I'm not, not uh, <laughs> you love it. Uh, you're not there at half eight in the morning if you're 18 or 19. Uh, though, so you're seeing it nice yes. when it's lit up. Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't see the grime as much possible. No, you don't. You don't see the grime. enjoy it more. I believe it's great crack at night, though, there. But but very noisy, you know, that if, you, if you're in some good, great pubs around there, you know, the Bleeding Horse, the, the um, what do you call the other one? Um, the Swans along there, isn't there, too, as that's well? That's right, De- yeah. Devon, no, Devon's is, is a great pub. Yeah, some other ones as well, of course. Yeah. <coughs> Better stop name dropping. <laughs> <laughs> this has not been supported by any advertising. No, no, no. <laughs> now, when it comes to, you know, any events coming up that uh, the edition will be covering? Yeah, I'm just going to move on to something else, absolutely. Uh, we're doing a feature, uh, one of our features uh, in this time is on a lady called, sorry, mm-hmm. Betty uh, Watson. Mm-hmm. You may have heard of her, Betty was born in Markovich Flats in, and grew up in Pierce Street in that area. Um, <clears throat> she experienced a lot of poverty and in her, in her youth. And uh, obviously at the time, you know, things were very, very hard. But she, she was an amazing woman, way ahead of her time. She believed that education was the way out of poverty and the way out of the way to uh, um, enable people and uh, to... to help them to, to mm. you know, better themselves, if you like. It breaks generational cycles. Uh, break the generational cycle, exactly. She did a lot of work for women, especially because women got no education at all in that time, back in those days. Uh, she did a lot, but for men as well, she, 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 she worked like a Trojan like, to, to help people further themselves and better themselves in all kinds of ways. She was even into person development and stuff like that way before uh, it was trendy to be. <coughs> Sorry. So... She started a thing, she had the adult education course in, she set that up in uh, St Andrew's Resource Centre and she ran it for many years. And she also set up a thing called a Trinity Access um, Pro, a Trinity mm. Access Programme. You probably heard of it, TAP, it's called. Yeah, yes. that was running in my time in Trinity. It was so, running in your yeah. time. I don't know if it's still running, but it was running in, it was running in your time and in mm. my time. And this was, an, this was a breakthrough thing because what it was, was what TAP was, it was a gateway for people who came from socio-economical backgrounds that maybe 
Well, obviously they lacked money and resources, but also they didn't have a tradition of going to college and thought that, you know, that was like a glass ceiling care for them. So she had to break that glass ceiling and with this course and working with Trinity College, helped to get an awful lot of people who... Um, Otherwise, wouldn't have gone to college, into college, into third level education, which is a great thing, you know. It's kind of opening the gates, isn't opening it? The, oh, really opening the gates. And just as an aside, that TAP, uh, Trinity, that um, Trinity Access Programme, that's actually been adopted now by Oxford University in um, the, big, the big one in, in, in the UK. That's so she's actually, yeah, she's actual actually fortress she, of learning kind of actually there. Yeah. The, the beacon of, of <laughs> learning. Yeah, she, so she's been responsible for that, like, uh, and she's 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 just amazing. And now even more than that, she did set up a thing called a one one program. The one one program was basically means that a, a graduate from Trinity or some you know from Trinity College worked with or was matched up with um, a student from secondary school you know, in some of the some of the schools in this area and help them to, you know, tutor them basically uh, voluntarily and uh, work with them and encourage them again to, to go on to university. She was responsible for all those things. An absolutely amazing woman. Um, you probably know her daughter, Liz. She's a political activist with Fianna Fáil. Uh, but uh, and Betty, unfortunately, Betty, uh, <clears throat> she battled cancer breast cancer three times and, and, and overcame it three times. But unfortunately, she succumbed to... Um, COVID in 2021 and she's passed away but an absolutely amazing woman and uh, way ahead of her time so that's a, ni- a nice feature on her it's an extraordinary life <coughs> an extraordinary life yeah. absolutely yeah yeah so it just goes to show what you can do if you it's not it's not about the resources you have or the money you have yeah. if you have the determination and the and the will to do it, what you can actually achieve and what you can achieve for your community and all that. You're and very the ripples spread out as well, don't and, they? And the ripples spread out, yeah. yeah. You don't really, people don't think, oh, I'm only one person. What's mm. the point? Like, But one person can make a huge difference over time and whatever, you know. It's a wonderful legacy to look back on it's for her family legacy. as well. It's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful legacy, absolutely, yeah. So and another legacy and another thing we have, we're covering is the uh, thing called the Water Sedge Drama Group. Yeah, you may have heard of them. They've been around Ringsend for a good number of years. They were set up by a man called Paul Kennedy, uh, who has moved on from the group now. He's doing other things now. He and um, it's been run now by a man called Morgan Kieran. Now, Morgan is an actor uh, and a playwright in his own right. And uh, he's he's taken over this the, this drama group and uh, he's, he wants to develop it up and, and you know, make it him. Put it back on, on the map again. He's written a, a play called the, the Fishmongers, which is in production at the, in they're you know rehearsing and in, in production at the moment, and it hopes to be uh, on stage by May. I think they're actually doing it here in the Rick. I'm not too sure, but um, it hopes to be on stage in May. But anyway, look out for that for that in 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 May. It's going to be. I I had I was privileged being the editor of News Four to get a sneak a peek of the. The actual play and it's very funny and it's very good so I recommend when it does come uh, on stage for everybody to go along and, and see it The Fishmongers and With a name like The Fishmongers does it have any connection to Raytown or is it It, it does yeah yeah, yeah. And it's, it's based on real people he, he, he that, Dangerous uh, that, that, <laughs> Oh yeah that, that uh, Morgan knew but um, yeah, yeah. And you said that'll be coming in May. That's is this coming out in May? So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And now, is yeah. this like a community drama group? Is this something that is like there, a, it's a local community grand drama group? Most of the people in it are over fifty, so um, they're uh, 
but some of them are mm-hmm. younger as well. So it's it's kind of a thing that for local amateur mm. actors, and it, 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 they're all very, very good. Really good. It's really good. It's a really satisfying thing to do as well. It it's is, good to meet people and get a bit creative and get active. It's a very satisfying yeah. thing to do. It must be, yeah. And yeah. So another thing then, we have, another feature we have is um, we, we do it, we cover a lot of uh, uh, galleries and art galleries and stuff like that and cultural things in, in the paper. But do you know where the smallest gallery, art gallery in the world is? No. 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 Well, it's right here in Ring's End. Okay. It's actually located in a telephone kiosk. Are there even telephone kiosks anymore? <laughs> I didn't think there were, yeah. Do you know, do, do you know the, the real old old ones with the wooden ones, with yeah. the, the green ones, with the, the beautiful telephone ones? Uh, te- the telephone and the, yeah, telephone, the Irish, yeah, mm-hmm. and all the little windows. Yeah, and that telephone kiosk is located in... The Fair Play Cafe, right here in Ringsend. It's inside the cafe. So just up around the corner, around the corner here from where you're on the community centre. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. It's located there. And the gallery, the art, arts gallery is inside the, the tickets. So how many now, people can fit at a time, though? One person at a time. <laughs> one person at a time. Oh, you can squeeze two small, t- t- tiny people in, I suppose. But um, if people don't believe me or think I've started the Sherbets early in the morning, uh, go along to the, the Fair Play Cafe, you'll get a... Smashing cup of coffee in there as well. Am I allowed to promote this? Uh, oh, I think so. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, I think they've got yeah. rabbits there as well. They, they do, they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Loads of good things there. But uh, go in there, get yourself a lovely cup of tea, lovely sandwich, and uh, you can go into for free, totally free. Go into the to the to the the little case. Um, uh, I think it's. I'm not too sure what what the, what the official name is on it, but it's the smallest gallery in the world. And what do they have on display at the moment? Do you know what at exhibition? The dis- at the display, we have an exhibition by the, the lady who actually set the thing up. Her name is Penny Stewart. And uh, it's it's an exhibition on the work of James Joyce. Yes, particularly the dead and a lot of the, uh, some of the other stories from Dubliners. So you can go along and see she it's it's she does her own sketches and uh, charcoal drawings and things like that of characters from um, those uh, Joyce's uh, uh, catalogue and uh, some of them are really good and kind of uh, caricatures almost and really uh, you know very very good. Be so worried no- about bit, like a, knocking a bit, off a little bit naughty as you well. Just but have to, like, yeah, stand and turn in a circle really yeah, carefully. Yeah, as you, yeah, you have to do that. They're all on the window, <laughs> and there's actually one don't, when, when you are in there. Don't forget, there's one on the on the ceiling as well, a painting on the ceiling. Always well. look up. Don't be an eighteen year old in Maxwood Street. Look up. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and it's not just a once off thing. This gallery is going to be there to stay. And when Penny's exhibition ends, which I think is the end of January or February, uh, there will be something else in. Continuing in there, so it's really good. It's a really great idea. I think it's a smashing idea. And again, will Penny be uh, curating these, or is if somebody is looking to maybe get their stuff exhibited, would this be something they could look uh, into? Uh, you could to? inquire in, in, in the mm. Fair Play Cafe, and they'll get put you. In. I, I think it would be probably probably Penny. Uh, I, I, sh- I shouldn't speak out of turn. It may not be, but uh, if inquire in, in the Fair Play Cafe, and they'll be able to tell you. But if, maybe you know. not the place for your yeah. sixty-four foot square yeah. canvas. Yeah, maybe yeah, just yeah. the smaller no, pieces. No, no, no. Don't bring in your sixty-foot <laughs> square canvas, please don't. Uh, but uh, it's a great idea for people and uh, really mm. avant-garde thing. It's mm. something uh, you'd only read about years ago happening in Greenwich Village or something like that. But I think it's fantastic. It just show, goes to show how far we've come along and uh, in, in Dublin and in Ringsend mm. and, uh, you know, and, and in D4 and whatever, other places as well. It's going to give these little uh, mm. opportunities for people to Opportun- show what absolutely. they can do and what absolutely. they love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. So any, uh, you know, budding uh, artists out there, get in touch with the uh, Fair Play Cafe. Yeah. I love those old phone boxes. I remember talking to the <coughs> oh, phone box lovely, man yeah. who's yeah. made a living 
into restoring <coughs> yeah. them for different mm. purposes. It's yeah. great to hear like yeah. one of them's been mm. is now mm. in rings and being used in this yeah. way. Yeah, it's great to see that. It's fantastic mm. to see because you don't see many of them around. Are, no, there, are there any around? There's such like stalwart yeah, figures in yeah. my memory. Yeah, though. I know. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember, I remember like when when you had to make a phone call, you go down to the corners mm. of the street and hope that nobody was uh, that nobody was in the box if it was an urgent call. And uh, yeah, people used to be a queue on a Sunday night when I when I came back from, from to Dublin. Used to be a queue outside my my, my flat where there was a case. Yeah, all the people ringing their mummies saying that I had got back safe and sound. I know, it's not and I had to do the same. Uh, and this right. was the only thing they had. They they all this before the mobile phones, of course. I know, the, the the amount the world has changed because people world, didn't yeah, have phones in their hands. Even now, yeah, yeah, now yeah. it's like we've all got phones in our pockets. Pockets, yeah, yeah. So it's you're amazing. all connected. You're never free, but no. you know. Yeah, I know. It has its advantages Upside, and it has its disadvantages. Cost and yeah. benefit. It's absolutely, all there. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now you're saying this edition is going to be available from Friday in from shops. Friday, yeah. Uh, it's going to mention too the we just finished there in January the um, Young Scientists Exhibition mm. yes, in in the RDS. We could do a feature on that. Uh, I went along to that. It's absolutely amazing. The astounding the amount of talent and the amount of innovation and the amount of ideas I, I don't want to put students. too much pressure on this generation yeah. but I am expecting yeah. them to fix everything so I'm, I'm glad to hear yeah, that yeah 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 I think I think they can I mean <laughs> I just wouldn't have time to go to any any, any of the, the amazing exhibitions yeah. but there's one that really stood out for me uh, particularly it was from a girl I think she's only 15 I think she's in a school in Rush um, but she has written an algorithm for to to detect, uh, you know, um, what do you call a brain scan for, to do brain scans and, and better than they've been done at the moment. And I just couldn't 15. believe this, you know, you know, 50. When I was 15, and I didn't know what a, an algorithm was. <laughs> I, I was I was trying I was trying to get the attention of the the, the girl that I fancied in the in, in the next class or whatever. But anyway, well, that has its own level of that calculation too. <laughs> and I remember, as as for science, I remember being we 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 we, did, we had a very good science teacher, by the way, in my school. But um, I remember almost blowing up the the science uh, lab one in, on, by lighting a Bunsen burner. Had the the gas turned up too high, I I, just, I blew up my eyebrows. But that was. <laughs> Well, I think of the chaos that we were let loose on, but I mean, it's how you learn, though. Yeah, really, and it's it? how you learn. But uh, I mean, this, these people are really—I mean, I bow to them. Their their, mm-hmm. their intelligence and their 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 commitment and their, their and and to their, I have to give credit as well on when I'm on the radio to their teachers as well because they must yeah. you know work very hard with them and it's it's fantastic. Now because it's a local paper, we just focus on uh, two sc- local schools mm-hmm. in the area: uh, Muckras Co- Park College in in Donnybrook, and um, Educate Together here in. Um, Sandy Mud. Mm. So, but again, it always comes back to access then and support, <coughs> mm. which is, I think, as you said, like <coughs> Betty Watson was looking yeah. at as well and how people mm. can yeah. maintain or develop their yeah. attitudes and yeah. their skills and with yeah. different spheres. Yeah. yeah. So, another mm. amazing woman, we're, we're covering another feature, uh, we're doing a feature on Butler Chocolates. Uh, okay. you, know, you like chocolates, yeah? Well, you know, yeah. I'm a living human being. I love chocolate. But uh, it was started by another amazing woman. She was part Irish, part uh, Indian, uh, Marion Butler. And she started back in the 19th century. Uh, she started a confectionery shop in Bagel Street. Uh, she made her own special, uh, you know, chocolates and a, spe- a special recipe or whatever. Um, uh, and it was called uh, She Know Chocolates. You know the French C H E Z N O U S. You know chocolates, uh, and uh, which I think still it's a lovely name. Anyway, it became Butler, Butler's chocolate later, and um, uh, they have a factory now where they, they show you how to make them and all that kind of things. It, it, it's it's really inter- an interesting article as well. Would their chocolate cafe have been one of the first ones on Wicklow Street? 
I can remember it opening when, like, kind of around the turn, around the turn of the century. Yeah, with those things. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. It was, I think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It probably would be one kind of, of the first. On, on, Celtic on, Tiger, on, everyone. Celtic like chocolate tiger, cafes. Yeah, yeah, yeah chocolate yeah. cafes, yeah. We're talking <laughs> a, lot about, time, talk, a lot about cafes, coughing in cafes today. I don't know. Uh, but another thing that, we, of course, we're also covering then the, just to wrap up quickly, we're covering then the, the Oscars as well. Uh, and all pay, hopes are pinned on Killian this time. Hopefully he, he, he'll pick up the, the Oscar for Best yeah, Actor. Yeah, I think we're recording this ahead of broadcast, so I yeah. mean, we're still, I think, finding out today the nominations. It's a the lot no, of pressure on them. That's right, they're out yeah. today, yeah. And it's the 10th of March, the, the, the actual ceremony. So I'm hoping he does. He won a lot of everything else, but hopefully he picks up the Oscars. Mm-hmm. We had great expectations last year, but we didn't come away with as many as we thought we would. We would. But hopefully Killian does, does the job for us. I think he's a brilliant actor. I, mm. I, I love him anyway. I don't know about you, but I, I, I love him. Um, and we're also covering, I know it's, uh, it was last year, sadly, Shane, Shane McGowan passed mm. away. Uh, and we're covering, um, well, he, because the funeral cortege went through um, Ring's End, mm. started off in South Lots, where he used to live one time, and went through Ring's End and then the rest of the city. Uh, Shane lived in South Lots. He lived in Sandy Mount. He lived in Donnybrook, where I actually got to know him uh, when he was living in Donnybrook. I used to live there that time. And I have to say, the most loving, gentlest person, super intelligent, really, really, really nice guy. Um, and uh, we do so, but we were very lucky. Our photographer, Ian, was actually there on the day. The, you know, as you know, the streets were crowded, mm. but he got some really good shots that are not available anywhere else of the cortege. So they're something to, something to treasure, maybe cut out and keep if people want to. Yeah, I was out in McMahon Bridge with my friend and mm. to see him go by and then walk into town. It was <coughs> a wonderful mm. crowd. Yeah, and wonderful, just yeah. the music yeah. and the patience people had. The people had, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think the, the, the utter respect they had for, yeah. for Shane as well, yeah. You know. So it wasn't sombre, but it was solemn. It was, yeah. it was, it was, it was. That's right. He wouldn't like a sombre, though, would he? He wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I watched the, the, the mass in Nina and that was, you know... It was, it was a like, hoolie almost, was like a hoolie, wasn't it? Really. <laughs> it was, it was, yes. It was fantastic, yeah. Right. So, yeah. That's great stuff. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add for this? Uh, I think it- that's really all that I can think of at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really it. But there's lots of other little, the, the, our irregular features, peeling back the pages, you know, when we look back at the old uh, issues of News 4 and we pick out some of the best pieces and um, have a laugh. Uh, uh, the re- um, book reviews, uh, uh, did a book review of the uh, Louise Nealon, uh, our new book, uh, Snowflake, which won the one Dublin one uh, book uh, Award last year, uh, and uh, there's lots of other things, uh, sporting stuff, and all the usual, all the regular features. You know the crossword, everything, mm. all the regular features that you get in news for. Just even all for free. <laughs> as well. Yeah, just the idea that a spring edition a finally. Spring edition, yeah. It spring just, edition is lovely. Yeah, I yeah. know there's going to be tulips growing any days now, tulips, more light in the evening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully the days are getting longer, uh, the evenings are getting longer, and we'll have. Um, uh, Lovely, lovely weather to look forward to. Oh, of course, we have two um, uh, bank holidays coming up in, in February. So Bridget's Day. <gasps> and best month ever. <laughs> I know. Best month ever. And pa- Patrick's Day in, in March, of course, then. So yeah. two co- in, in this issue as well. So chocolates and lions Choc- for all. And then uh, Easter is the end of um, March. So that's just around the corner. Huh? Chocolate, chocolate, so, chocolate. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> let me at it. <laughs> oh, and that's great. Thanks very much for coming in. Thank you very much, Anne, for having me. And um, happy St. Valentine's Day. Happy St. Valentine's Day. Thank you. Come and join us at our Retro Cafe. Open weekdays from 10 until 2 here in the community centre. Come and check out our Karen's culinary delights. 
You're listening to the Community News Desk on Rick Radio. All right, so our inaugural edition of Movies at Ronan. Ronan, how are you? Good, good. Yeah, uh, we're still on the fence with the title. You know, it's it's a nice little experiment we're going to do, but you'll see if it works. See if the folks like it. We'll just see. So is today's film a new release, an upcoming attraction, a massive, big, what's the term? Um, Blockbuster. St- blockbuster film. No, but the one that's like tent pole film, you know, yeah. the ones like Marvel or something. Or is it like a controversial foreign film that's got the critics all a chatter? What are we looking at today? Uh, none of those things. Okay. Because I, I, I need to brush up on my films. I need to <laughs> uh, come clean, honestly. But I want to talk about one of my favorite films, if that's okay. You know, just seeing mm-hmm. it's a nice wel- welcome to the uh, podcast. That would be... Uh, film I watch over Christmas and you know it's, it's not like an art house film it's not a uh, highbrow or anything but it's uh, Mrs Doubtfire. Now is this the first time you saw it this year or you say one of your favourites? So one of my favourite a... films yes. Well uh, when did you first see it? Um, when did I first see it? I, I'm sure it was on TV at one point and my parents say oh this is a good one or no there was an ad you know saying top 10 comedy moments or whatever and then I saw an old woman with her uh, boobs on fire. And it was, uh, of course, Robin Williams in uh, The Big Jacket. And it's like, oh, is this a horror film? And it's like, no, it's, it's Robin Williams just uh, messing around. Kind of it's okay. It was a bit of a horror film from his wife's perspective. But, you know, I, mean, oh, I guess you play, yeah, for the, play for the labs if you can. Yeah, so well, was this part of your childhood, I suppose, is what I'm asking you. Childhood? Uh, no, I saw it. Well, it depends what you mean by childhood. Like, I saw it when I was 13 or 14. There we go. And I could get... Like, I mean, it's a family film, but there is a lot of stuff in there for adults. Um, I mean, stuff, unfortunately, uh, for a lot of reruns, they frustratingly cut out. What's the word? There's a really good back and forth between him and Pierce Brosnan mm-hmm. on the table. And of course, as a, even as a teenager, I didn't get it. But as an adult, this is really, this is really, you know, adult stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, I, what I can remember from it though is that it does have yeah. that sort of broad comedic appeal because it is a family film, yeah. but it's got that real sort of darker side to it. But also, there are things are played for laughs for the children. Yeah. And it's got young actors in it, mm-hmm. and you've got the actual comedy of what this man is going through and how he's choosing to deal with his problems. Yeah. Mm. Well, to be honest, it is a good comedy film. It's also a fairly good family drama film because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things are taken very seriously. You know, something would start lighthearted and funny with a joke and then something, sometimes uh, Robin Williams and Sally Field, uh, who plays his wife in the film, will have a massive argument and suddenly it's not really so funny anymore. It's, uh, it's serious and it treats those, um, it treats, you know, divorce. The film is about divorce. It treats that with a lot of respect. You know, there isn't many jokes about it. And of course, you know... When all is revealed at the end, when it's revealed to his wife and his children that he is Mrs. Doubtfire in disguise, mm. it stops being a comedy film, which is, you know, kind of cool. The last five or ten minutes is just, you know, reconciliation sort of drama, you know. And of course, it's a bit mad, you know, dressing up as a woman as a new identity, um, you know, to try and fool his wife and kids to thinking he's a new person so he can see them. You know, it, it's wor- it works, though, given the state of the comedy. And I think the comedy... And the drama, you know, you can have a moment that's not so serious and serious, but they work well. What's the word I'm looking for? They contrast each other very well. They give each other a bite, you know. The serious, more dramatic moments give the give the comedy a bit of extra sting, and the comedy kind of, you know, it shows it shows kind of human. 
it shows a kind of um, a side of humanity that you wouldn't see in other, let's say, serious, serious dramas, you know? Like, um, one of my favourite scenes is the ending. And I know it's spoiling like a 30-year-old film, but... Uh, Careful. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Wow, okay. So what's, if, what's your favourite scene then, towards the end? Well, it's one of my favourite scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of good scenes, but the ending is really good. So, at the end, they don't get back together, which is very mature. Like, and which a lot of people applaud the film because usually in a film like this, like, oh, we misunderstood each other. We'll get back together in a happy ending. But it's not like that. Um, Robin Williams himself, Christopher Columbus, the director, um, and Sally Field all agreed that it would give kids watching a false sense of hope if uh, two divorced parents were just come back together in a magical, happy ending. So how, how it works out is they don't really forgive each other because, you know, what Robin Williams did, you know, posing as this um, new identity to... You know, move into her house and lie to her about who he is to get access to his children and to reveal a deception. And at the same time... undermine her relationship with her, I think her new husband or her new fiancé? Her new new fiancé, I think, uh, played by Pierce Brosnan. It's been a while since I've seen this, but it's coming back in waves. Okay. Um, So she doesn't forgive him. Well, they they don't get back together, but they do understand each other. They do come to an agreement. It's like, okay, maybe I was being possessive with the kids, you know, and you can have, you can have, you know, we agree with the court. Maybe we can have your time and that's okay. At the same time, due to all this, Mrs. Doubtfire inadvertently exposes herself to, you see, he's an actor as well, to his boss. And he, why in God's name are you dressed like a woman? Uh, I want to show you my new character, Mrs. Doubtfire. So inadvertently, he has to introduce Mrs. Doubtfire to her boss and his boss likes it and she gets a show on television. And the ending is where Robin Williams driving off with his kids and Sally Field, the actress. The show is on TV and Mrs. Doubtfire gives a speech. You know, it's like a Mr. Rogers sort of mm-hmm. um, thing with Robin Williams. I guess, imagine a good Mrs. Brown's boys. So she's, she has a letter from one of her um, viewers. And of course, it's implied that Robin Williams, so his, his character wrote this in order to tell his kids. So there's a lot of layers to this closing speech. He says, you know, uh, Dear Mrs. Doubtfire, my parents are divorced. My brother says, you know, um, our families is not a real family. And she gives a, like, good speech to the camera. But there's a lot of layers to it because she's talking to the audience. She's talking, Robin Williams is talking to his wife and he's talking to his kids at the same time. Mm-hmm. So when all those layers come together and uh, it's just a very good monologue, very well written and very, I felt, you know, and the fact that it is Robin Williams dressed as an old woman, you know, it gives that kind of comedic edge. But I think that comedic edge enhances the drama, if that makes any sense. I remember watching it as a kid and he's definitely sort of cast as the hero in it. As a child, I thought, oh, he's so hard done by. Yeah. I mean, he just wants to see his kids. He Mm. just wants to have access to them. He's been there. His ex-wife is being so cruel to him. Yeah. If you're watching that as an adult, do you think that is the case? Or do you think Um, that's, well, do you think he's a good father? Part of the reason why it works is... um, you know, he doesn't get rewarded. And why, as he I said... He doesn't get rewarded. You just told me you got a TV show out of this. <laughs> well, he doesn't get rewarded with what he wants. It's different. You know... He... Well, does he want to get back with his wife or does he want to have access to his kids? What's what's he looking for here? What's his, mo- what's his motivation? <laughs> his motivation is to see his kids and see his wife. But throughout his process of being Mrs. Doubtfire, and this is another good thing, another good script writing thing, he learns. He learns as a character. He matures. You know, he asks, uh, what did you see in Daniel? And 
you know, Daniel's his I name. I love it uh, when a guy in his 40s grows up. It's fantastic. Yeah. So he does grow up a bit. He does grow up a bit. And then she says, well, you know, I was always the responsible one. He was mature. And he <laughs> kind of realizes then we are better off, you know, separated. You know, because the goal at first is to try and, as Mrs. Doubtfire can, oh, this Pierce Brosnan guy, he's not, get back with Robin Williams. He's, he's, he's great. But then she sort of realizes, actually, maybe, maybe uh, it's better, things are better off this way. So there is maturity. He sees a new side of his wife. And, uh, and also, the Pierce Brosnan character, is he a villain? How is he played? Interestingly enough, this is another rewrite, uh, probably on, on behalf of uh, Robin Williams, director Chris Columbus. He was initially going to be a villain and he was going to be, you know, standard family comedy villain. It's like going to, I'll send the kids off to boarding school. And but they said, nah, it's a bit, you know, unrealistic. Pierce Brosnan is actually a good a good potential father and role model. Patience of a saint. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a fruit thrown at him by this um, strange <laughs> Scottish woman at various points. Drive by fruiting. <laughs> I know Pierce Brosnan said that was his favourite uh, scene to film. But I think that was like ultimately a good thing because the dramatic and comedic tension is increased. Uh, because you have an innocent man being tormented by this old lady that's kind of funnier than, you know, a villain being mm. tormented by... <laughs> Uh, and the dramatic thing is like this is a serious thing my kids could have a better father than me like you do you mm. do um, sympathise with Robin Williams more if uh, yeah, you know if was, you, you if feel his jealousy guy, but now you, it's more like the only one getting in the way of him being a good father is him really isn't it yeah and of course uh, Pierce Brosnan is good as well you see his character mm. has no idea he's in a comedy movie and that, that makes it very well you gotta be the full straight man I guess that's the yeah, hardest thing in a Robin Williams man. film because everyone else has to be the straight man you can't yeah. compete with Robin Williams, really, can you? Yeah. With that said, Sally Field, I, a lot of people say Robin Williams, you know, great performance. Sally Field is also a great performance. Like mm -hmm. the reveal at the end when he takes the mask off and, yeah, it's me. Her reaction, like throughout the movie, as an audience member, you're saying, okay, there's going to be a reveal. How is it going to... And the payoff, it works, you know. Her, her reaction. Why it's does like, she react? It's been ages since I've seen this. So, I mean, is um, she... She goes through, like... Does it, she set him on fire? What does she do to him? Well, I mean, she goes through five different emotions at once and like this is high class acting she goes, she does. She does it all. She does it all. <laughs> you know, it's both very funny and very sad at the same time. Um, you know, she says the whole time, the whole time, three different times are, are two different times, but two different emotions. And it was very, I have to go. I have to go. Like, you know, those are two lines on a script, but the way she says them. They mean different things. Um, and it happens very quick. Just great acting. Um, this is where I think it's a horror film. I think that level of the callousness and the absolute narcissism of this man to go like, this is a great thing. I don't have to think about how it affects anyone around me. Or yeah. What the ramifications are going to be. It's just what I want to do. So it's what I'm doing. Oh, well, that's Ooh. kind of his... Uh, funny uh, enough, we keep, you keep saying it's a horror film. There was yeah. a funny YouTube video um, a while ago where it edited to be a psychological horror film hmm. akin to something like Misery. Mm. or something you know yeah uh, well he creeps into her house in yeah. disguise yeah. tells her he's someone else gets her to trust him with her children yeah all this time with his own other kind of like in um covert agenda yeah i don't know Ugh. you see because he is he is a very immature man and we see that from the start where you know for his son's birthday he brings a petting zoo to yeah oh the headache of it but this is what it comes down to really is that even though the setup is ridiculous i think it's a very sinister plot I mean, as you say, there's a lot of drama, there's a lot of pathos, a lot of comedy, but there's yeah. Robin Williams. 
So, I mean, if he played this, any other actor, do you think they could have carried it off? Could John Malkovich have been Mrs. Doubtfire? I don't know. You see, I'm just imagining Jim Carrey doing it. and They did it too would, much. It wouldn't have... It wouldn't Oddly have enough, like I think Robin Williams would be more restrained, which I don't think I've ever yeah. said anything about that ever, Robin Williams being restrained, but yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you can see he loves his kids. You can see he's kind of immature. He He thinks on the fly... You know, it is a, a gas premise. Of course, it wouldn't happen in real life, but, you know, I, it's... It's... <laughs> well, I don't know. go to jail. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a comedy movie. You if do have did, to... If he, went, if he did this in real life, do you think a judge would actually look into changing the custody arrangements, going, this seems like well, a yeah, stable, safe individual to have more access to his kids? That happens in the film. In the film, but it in does real happen. life. Well, yeah. I mean, this is absolutely, like kind of sociopath had done this in real life and then gone, actually, I want to petition for joint custody. Yeah, how? Well, I've got a TV show now based on the rant, like the absolute mind games I played with you for six months. It's like, oh, that's, I mean, it doesn't, well, it doesn't have to, and it's a film, it's not real. It's not real, it's not real. It's not real. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a barrel of laughs and feels, <laughs> you know. All right, now where can people watch Mrs. Doubtfire? Is this the kind of film that you can, should you rush out and buy it on Legacy Media? Or is this something that's going to be available for people to watch in other ways? Well, according to a quick Google, it appears to be on Disney Plus, Mm -hmm. which is good. And hopefully Disney, uh, now I haven't watched it on Disney Plus, hopefully they haven't censored some of the uh, funnier blue material. Uh, so it is, there is a bit of blueness because I'm wondering if this is something parents should be watching with their kids because if they've got the same kind of vague memories as I do of this film yeah. they might go yeah this would be fine this is family viewing but the 90s were kind of a weird time for what they're kind of the broadness of their comedy in some ways well when it comes to the Pierce Brosnan character uh, Mrs. Doubtfire has a few quips to kind of unnerve him a bit mm-hmm. um, most I think on TV there's the there's the uh, dinner scene which is censored uh, unfortunately she goes you know, uh, the wife goes out for a drink and, uh, kids, why don't you have a look at that uh, dessert table over there? And this is her chance to kind of unnerve. She's had a few drinks in, as Daniel Hillard, in his interview with the... Uh, it takes too long to explain, just watch the film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if you watch it up on YouTube, he does come up with some material that um, was improvised. Almost all, like, the funny bits were improvised by Robin Williams. And this is what really makes the film work. Pierce Brosnan said one of the challenging parts of his career was keeping a straight face for some of them because, uh, and there was actually an R-rated edition of the film. Well, let me explain that a bit more broadly. There was a lot of cut material where Chris Columbus said, no, this this won't fly in a family-friendly film, Robin. Tone it down a bit. So as funny as it is, although, I mean, he starts talking about things behind the bed, you know, trying to... Oh, I've like, seen some of his improvisations on yeah. YouTube. He definitely takes it to different spaces. Like he's, yeah. um, and he doesn't stop either. Like that's a, yeah. that's a lot of energy with a very broad mind. Um, so I'll just yeah. say, but look, it will fly over your kid's head. I guarantee it. <laughs> as, a, as a child, it flew over my head. <laughs> your so. kids are stupid. It's okay. Don't your worry kids are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, do you think it stands up in kind of uh, Robin Williams' oeuvre? Like, is this something you, t- are, are, is, are you a fan of his work in general? Oh yeah, definitely. I know he had a lot of um, like crap films in the 90s as like I'd say most Hollywood film most Hollywood actors have their fair share of so um, Robin Williams though he has a personality and a character and I think it's best showing in this film he kind of improv and likability like as you said you keep saying he's a pretty he's a bad guy he's a bad mm. dude doing this mm. you know selfish but 
you forget that because Robin Williams is so likable. He can, mm-hmm. he knows how to tap into the audience's emotion, how to make and the clownishness of it, the absolute yeah. clownishness of it. Like yeah, the, the, the humor is there. It definitely distracts you from the monstrosity that's occurring in front of you. For me, anyway, I yeah. think dangerous, a dangerous skill. <laughs> yeah, although I had to reiterate. He does learn throughout the film. He does become a better man, but he's stuck. No, when he starts as Mrs. Doubtfire, he's awful. But as the film goes on okay. and when he's learning as Mrs. Doubtfire, he becomes a better man. But he's stuck being Mrs. Doubtfire. So he has to, there's yeah. a lie. There's a lie a, he can He was an out of work actor. Now he's yeah. got a job. I still think he's coming out of, away from this better than he started. Yeah. So isn't it great when men are rewarded for their bad behaviour? Good for you. Um, what's the name of the character? Gosh, it's been ages. Uh, Daniel it? Hilliard. Daniel Hilliard. But, uh, of course. Boo, Daniel Hilliard. No, yay, Daniel Boo. Hilliard. Yay. Boo. Yay. All right. We're, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> he, he, he's funny enough and uh, he cares for his children. So that's, uh, wouldn't recommend you, you do the same thing, though. Wouldn't recommend you dress up as a Scottish nanny and... Uh, it's not a blueprint, so. really, for repairing no. a fractured family relationship. But maybe that's where the comedy is, isn't it? Yeah. And the fact that it's uh, Christopher Columbus as well. Did he do Hook and a few other films of him around he the same did. time? He did Home Alone. Hey! Yeah, yeah. And uh, Harry Potter, the first two Harry mm. Potter films. So I think those are his uh, biggest ones. So uh, kind of a big big family fr- family film yeah. with an edge of darkness to it too. I mean, Home Alone, again, that's just like... The premise is still quite horrifying. It is, yeah, yeah. but um, great film still. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, long slapstick. There is a lot of good drama to it. Coming of age and maturing, even though his parents have a lot to... <laughs> One film's about a seven-year-old, one's about a 45-year-old, yeah. you know, but at least they both learn things. They, they both learn they things. They both learn things. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family comedy film. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, I hope that was uh, me talking about my thoughts about Mrs. Doubtfire. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot to mention, there's some what I'd say comedic action scenes in it like the dinner scene is very good where he's the hero is given an impossible challenge can he celebrate his wife's birthday as Mrs. Doubtfire and get a job promotion as Robin Williams and he has to go back and forth and back and forth and you know it is kind of you know classic Hmm, slapstick kind of comedy of it and our his uh, court liaison has come to the house and is like, oh, checking Daniel Hill. And he accidentally says hello with Miss Doubtfire. And he has to pretend, oh, she's my sister. And then he has to go back and forth and back and forth, you know. And that's, you know, it is. How does he do it? So you could see, you could compare that to an action scene. It's like, okay, the hero is has a bomb on the train or something, you know, and he has to figure out a way. So, so like, comedy action yeah. scene. It, it's not Kramer versus Kramer. It's a bit lighter, but it is still. It is, at, yeah. at its core, we're talking divorce here. We are talking a family finding its way through a change in its state. Yeah. So there we go. I hope I, I hope I haven't been too annoying and I hope I kept on focus, but uh, that's okay. Robin Williams had a good career, not keeping on focus and being distracted and we'll see. That's all from the Community News Desk. My thanks to our guests, Owen Megan and Ronan Kelly. Also, my thanks to the Rick Radio crew, Adam, Ronan and Dylan on sound and editing, Leslie on admin, Jennifer on social media and Darren on the website. Take care and have a great week. (laughs) 